And I love what his mom said to him in college when she was sick and still living. She said, play big. Play for something bigger than yourself. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I've got my partner in crime, Matt Cermak, with me. What's up, Ev? Good to be back. Here we go. This is a late one for Serm. 920 Central. Central time. Nah, this is a little bit later. We used, to do them. <laughs> we used to do the podcast a little late like this. Not anymore. But as always, guys, welcome aboard the par train. We'll get to a preview of this U.S. Open recap and learnings in a second. But first, in case you're new and your golf game's off the rails, you come to the right place. All right. If you're sick of riding that struggle bus as well, you come to the right place. The par train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again. Because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. We unpack the mental game with anyone from a PGA Tour pro to a sports psychologist to a golfer just like you and me. Because we can make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of The Part Train, like every episode, is presented by our friends at Roback Activewear. I've got the hoodie on. Serm's got the polo. Father's Day just happened. If you didn't like what you got, maybe Roback.com is a great place to go. Or remember it for the next time. Right, guys, summer's here. You guys Golf's like fifteen percent off? Yeah, fifteen percent off. If you didn't do Father's Day, do Fourth of July. You know exactly. they're gonna have this some is the great time. Prints. This is the time to get yourself some new polos, um, some new shorts, right? Some new Q zips, whatever you need. They got it. So go to roback.com, enter the code train, get fifteen percent off, and buy yourself some gear that looks good, stretches as much as you could ever want it to. And is versatile across any activity that you could ever want. Barbecues, work outings, golf, gym. You name it. I've been in all rowback lately Run because it's summer and I love my shorts and their polos and their performance tees. I wore those in my workout today. So wow. thank you to Roback as always for hopping aboard and being our partner um, and helping make the show happen. And thank you guys for hopping aboard the Roback train. We love getting your messages. And so, uh, yeah, let's keep it going. All right, so a little context in case you guys are new. After every major, Serm and I like to hop on the train and unpack everything that we saw, but from a lens to help all of us get better at golf, right? So, so we what did we just see the best players in the world do on the biggest stage that we can take to our games? We might not be able to all hit the ball like a Wyndham Clark or a Rory McIlroy or Ricky or a Scotty, but what do they do that we can do? to make us all enjoy the ride and play better golf, right? So um, that's what this episode is about. We're going to get into it. We're going to talk through all of the guys I just mentioned, the course, the style, U.S. Open as a whole. I think U.S. Open is the toughest mental test of the year. So arguably, this could be this is technically our Open in a sense. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's the one we, uh, it's the one you feel like you could maybe dissect the most yeah. on the mental side. I don't think we got really from a leaderboard or scoring standpoint, the U S open that we're quite used to No, but I think down the stretch, you definitely saw, I actually tweeted this something like this. I don't have it pulled up, but I'll try and paraphrase. I actually feel like what we want from a U.S. open is not necessarily a leaderboard close to, or, or scoring close to par. I think what we want as fans and as viewers is carnage from the sense of there's drama around every turn. So down the stretch, no one's safe, right? And we saw it kind of with Wyndham down the stretch, was cruising and then made a couple bogeys down, down the stretch there. With It could be a single bounce left instead of right, can put you into a terrible lie, suddenly brings bogey into place pretty quickly, right? I think that's technically maybe what we like the most about the U.S. Open is just how tough it is and how no one's safe at any moment. Yeah, I think, I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, it's always supposed to be the toughest major, the highest scores. I think what, so, what the USGA tries to go for is how can it be, how can these guys struggle more than they do typically? If you're just a little off, you're going to get penalized. But you don't want it to be unfair, like on right. hole after hole or green or hole location or because we've seen courses get setups get away. Yeah. But Ev, I mean, I'm I want to see them struggle in this tournament for sure. You know, and I think I really like the golf course. Um, and you were out there this weekend. You're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, you just don't want to see 62s, multiple 62s in the opening round. 
it kind of, this reminded me, well, I mean, when Brooks won in Aaron Hills, I think he shot close to 15 under, I remember Olympia fields and that Oh three Jim Furyk eight under ended up winning, but it was kind of like this week at the first round, everybody kind of came out just guns blazing, but then, you know, I mean, the course definitely showed its teeth. Um, but, um, yeah, well, I thought we got some, I mean, Evan, there was some good drama, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard not to pull for Rory and Ricky. Um, but you know, Wyndham Clark, one shot lead going to 18. It's just, he really kind of took the lead early and never gave it up. Well, and it was pretty cool. So he, he, he kind of just kind of stayed steady and did it. We didn't quite see a big swing somewhere and we could have early when he was in the gunch, you know, and he hit it nowhere and, but he ended up making bogey instead of double or triple. So credit to him. That was an incredible bogey. He said in the uh, trophy ceremony, that was the key shot of the whole tournament yep. was limiting that to a bogey. So obviously the majority of this podcast is probably going to get to Wyndham Clark. Um, so stay tuned for that before we get into Wyndham. And cause obviously I think it goes without saying, I think we all probably would have liked to see Ricky or Rory win. Um, yeah. But I will say, after hearing his story um, and learning a little bit about him, I didn't know much. Uh, you can't help but be happy for him. And I think there's a ton to learn. So do you want to start with the course and kind of mindset going into something like a U.S. Open and how we can relate that to to yeah. our weekender games? Yeah, you know what's really interesting about this one, Adam? A lot of the talk about LACC is how private and exclusive it is, yeah. how hard it is to get on. Yeah. Well, it's true for all the tour players. What did, a lot of them have never played there. And what, because they can't, you can't just, they don't care if you're Rory McElroy or the story but of, but they Jack let me Nicholas. in. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I talked to several people in the past week or two, just like you and me that have played LA Country Club. They lived out there or whatever, but they don't, but they have a rule no celebrities, right? And mm -hmm. <laughs> I know they just let Freddie in, but no tour players. So this is a long winded say of me saying, Ev, how often do we just never play you know, normal people like you and me? You don't play courses. You go playing for the first time. Pros typically can get out wherever they want, whenever they want, weeks before. And it's cool to hear Rory say, I was watching footage on YouTube right. of LACC <laughs> to prepare. Right. So, and think, think about that though, right? Like you, tour players are known for always preparing, but he did something you and I would do. I was going on, I played a course on Friday the Highlands of Elgin, I went on YouTube for that because I'd never played there. And that's very relatable and interesting. So a lot of these guys kind of walked into a place they were just not familiar with at all because you just they can't get on and go play it. <laughs> so that was yeah. pretty cool. And it would be interesting to look at their mental golf types because there are some mental golf types that perform better playing a course for the first time because it helps you if you are more of a natural um it might be a, a perceiver um, or an intuitive, like having things unfold in real time and being open to that mm -hmm. uh, can actually be really freeing versus if you over, if you, and you, you try and plan too much, sometimes it can kind of get in the way. Right. Well, so look at, I mean, we'll get to Rory in a minute, but look at all the planning he did before the masters for right. golf course. He knows as good as anybody, right? right. And bringing in Bob Rotel in the last second. And then you take, and he absolutely just, I don't want to say he had a mental breakdown, but he lost it. Yeah. And this week, played phenomenal, you know, and finished second, lost by one. So right. kind of maybe, maybe interesting for Rory in that sense. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Speaking of Rory, and then we'll get, to, we'll kind of put a bow in the course for a second. But speaking of Rory, I heard, um, is it McGinley? Paul McGinley. Yeah. Yeah. Um, commentator, former Ryder Cup captain. He said he likes seeing Rory move it both ways. But it's interesting. Last week on the show, we had John Sherman and we talked about wouldn't it be interesting if Rory could just simplify things and play his natural flight? But so what's I don't his, know. Yeah. It's you know? Yeah. Because McGinley's point, I didn't hear the clip. It's like he's painting a picture. He's probably, he's, yeah. he's, being an artist, he's feeling his way around because he can do it all. Right. As a um, 
Yeah, but it would be interesting of what that translates though for Rory, right? Like if Rory feels free by painting a picture and trying to hit whatever shot he visualizes, then that could be a great thing. If Rory almost feels bogged down by what shot to play because he can play all of them, that could be a detriment, right? Because, yeah. I mean, if he's that good at hitting that high draw, <laughs> why play anything else, you know? Um, but I get it. He's Rory McIlroy. He can hit any shot. But he seemed – I think he had a really great uh, – I thought it was really telling when he almost made a putt off the green and he started laughing. I think it showed that he was uh, – obviously wants to win bad, but I don't know, just from a viewer standpoint through the TV, however much you can tell through that, it just seemed like he was taking a little bit of the pressure off and playing golf, you know, and just yeah. hitting shots and doing the best he can with it. But, um, I, yeah, I, I think, uh, well, you know, and I think, you know, he, he, he played really well this week and this is, you know, definitely a course where you gotta, you gotta have it all right here at no all the clubs, you've got these really short holes, you've got these really long par threes. You've got, you know, some really funky kind of cool blind shots. So it, it certainly set up well for Rory to kind of just feel his way around the golf course. Yeah. Um, at least in that sense. So I really liked it. Ev. I know some people didn't. I love, I love how they went back to this classic redesign. Um, I wish the scores were a little higher, but um, I loved it. You know, let me, let me give my take on the course real quick because I have played it and I did walk it this week, yeah. which by the way, the course I walked this week feels like a different golf course than what I played. It's not just the high, the, the higher rough and you played before fairways. the redesign, right? Or the, yeah, yeah, it was like in progress kind of, but, um, the, the fescue around the, the bunkers just makes the course feel entirely different. Not to mention the narrow narrowing the fairways and the high rough there, yeah. but, um, I think the debate, and it's kind of ironic, we won't spend too much time on this, but it's kind of ironic that tour pros were complaining, it seemed like more, about this U.S. Open, when usually the complaints are fair versus not fair. Right. There was no real question about fair. The scores clearly showed that it was probably maybe more so fair than they would have liked. Um, but they were complaining more about the course itself the course design which you don't really hear that often at a u.s open it's usually about the conditions so i think the big argument which you heard hovland kepka fitzpatrick whoever else say things is um they don't love that a course funnels balls down to one area pretty much regardless of wherever you hit it Right. Which I can totally understand. I agree with that, actually. Um, I personally love holes that you can play three to four different ways. I yeah. tend to like those holes the most. So like, what was love it? Number six. Yep. You know, um, I was amazed by how these guys were making a 290 yard, probably playing more like 250, but still 250 yard par three. And they were making it look easy, um, even though statistically it was still one of the harder holes. They were, I was shocked by how many guys were just putting it pin high. Like it was nothing down that hill, but how high, high they can hit it. Right. <laughs> I know. Right. So, you know, I personally love the course. I think it's a cool course. I would probably agree with some players that maybe there's not holes that I'm like wowed by. I think six is probably my favorite just because again, I like having options and I think it's kind of interesting. But, you know, I think it begs the question. Tour pros say some courses just don't fit my eye, but it's a major. So well, that's a whole you... part of it too, right? And tour pros are getting more honest and more brave with whatever they want to say, whenever they want to say it too. So any tournament you're granted, you're going to get guys who don't like it, but it was just interesting to hear kind of like three of the top 10, right? To kind of be pretty vocal about it. But, but I, enjoy, I, enjoy, I enjoyed seeing it, you know? Yeah, and here's my cool take on, on, on the environment. Because big news, by the way, we didn't say this in the intro. Our Instagram's back. Thank God. We finally got back after three and a half weeks of being in jail. And so if you don't follow us at the par train, what a great time to get on board. We we thought we Welcome lost back. everything. We're finally <laughs> back. Some copyright claim. Just look at our profile and 
and and you'll see info on it. But I, I made a post today that says, you know, as a local Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Angelin, Lynn, I don't even know. I live here. You should know this as a local Los Angelin um, for 10 plus years and someone who's played the course and walked it this week. Here's my take on the criticism of the crowds and the atmosphere. One, the course isn't set up well for spectators and crowd energy. It's true. I, I went on Monday and I, I felt so bad. My uncle and my aunt were with me and they don't go to many golf events and we were kind of blown away. Granted, it was a Monday, so people are really only playing nine holes, but impossible to get anywhere because of the canyons and the undulation, very tough for spectators and big logistics and the, and the grandstands. So it's not like I can just walk across and get from hole one to four and seven, like right. you're kind of stuck wherever you are, you're stuck. Um, not to mention there was a lot that came out today about how LACC only allowed like 20,000 tickets to be sold compared to compared to like the amount yeah. double um, at other majors. And so, and a lot of them, by the way, were in hospitality areas. So the right. crowds weren't that big. It's impossible to get anywhere. Well, Not a ton of great spots to watch. Um, there's a reason why they haven't hosted this in a long time. I mean, they had to use the other course to do all, park all the cars, all the media. So, yeah, I mean, an iconic kinda, venue, kinda stupid, but like, you know, all these fans running out in front, even though it was kind of cool, it was just like, yeah, you know, because but you let can't me, create an environment around with the grandstands. Now, let me say this. The old course at St. Andrews, I've been to an open in 2010 with our buddy Ryan. Terrible spectator course. You can't get close to any of the action. The greens are kind of in the middle. You're all the way on the side. But the atmosphere, electric. So yeah. how you get in an electric atmosphere without great you know, design and spectating, I think probably just comes down to the sheer numbers of people that you can get there and the quality of the crowd. Sure. Um, obviously, L.A., you know, I'm from St. Louis, big sports town. L.A., you could argue, you would think by the teams here is a big sports town. But, you know, I, I've it's a little it's a little there, weak. There's a difference. It's a transplant yeah. town. Right. Um, there's a lot of more fair weather where if the team's doing great, you know, the buzz is high. But because it's such a big city, you can't feel when there's an event there as often as like a St. Louis, October Cardinals are in the playoffs. The whole city is red, right? So it's a little bit different. I think that has to do a little bit with the crowd and the crowd noise. Um, I love LA. I probably won't leave here, um, but there's a ton to do here. And so I just think naturally it's harder to rally crowds around sporting events unless you have these incredible venues like SoFi that has a ton of like LA type activities to do while you're there, right? It's not as much, I think, about watching the game and the action as it is about everything else surrounding it. So just my take, I love LA. I love the course. It was a shame to see all of that talk about it, but guess what? Nobody in the leaderboard, first page of leaderboard talked like that. Yeah. And right. And if you're ever going to get it, it's going to be always at a USO. So, right. You know, is, it is what it is there. Um, so on the topic of a U.S. Open, though, sir, you actually I've actually heard Ricky talk about this, like with rain and wind, that he gets excited for those conditions. Yeah, because they're tough. Been a good bad weather player. He's been a good bad weather player. Um, I think a U.S. Open, you kind of have to have the same mentality. You, I think it's the one week where everybody admits that it's tough. You just you know? have to, you, if you can, I guess, have an extra level of patience, because at any moment you could make a really good swing and end up at a really bad spot. Yeah. And you could be, you know, having a great round going, you make a double here and a bogey there. And it's just like, as a tour player, like what just happened? Um, and you can feel like kind of and the either world's grabs against you, you a little bit, bad luck. Or, or you're able to just let it go. So it was really great. Yeah. You know, I mean, let's get to Ricky. Ev. I mean, we were all rooting for him hard. Yeah. I mean, here's a, talk about a fan favorite, right? Especially our generation, you know, yeah. him coming up, he's our age was so good for those first, you know, eight, nine years on tour. Then, you know, he, I don't know if he hit rock bottom, but he struggled these last couple of years. Oh yeah. And he had tried to make swing changes and he was able to fi finally figure out the swing changes. Um, but his putting, he is always one of the best putters and switching putters. And I felt bad for him today, but it was really fun to see him in the leading a major. 
And I hope this is actually a springboard for him again, because he doesn't, he's so likable. He's just such a great, it just seems like such a good dude, you know? Yeah. It was fun to watch, you know, and of course like this, yeah, it was 7,400 yards, but you didn't need crazy amount of length. So he was kind of hitting cuts. He was hitting draws. The course was coming to him. And then today he just was a little off, but um, I really liked watching Ricky Ev. We talk about relating back to like the, you know, our listeners and players, you know, Ricky doesn't hit the farthest, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't hit the crazy wow shots. He just kind of has to plot along, be very, very accurate, stay patient, you know, and, you know, and, and have a great short game. So do we know if the swing changes stuck or was it the situation we've seen so many times where he went down the swing change route, everything was going bad and he went back to what he always did? No, his swing looks way different. I know it's not as flat. Oh my God. It's night and day. I mean, yeah. Right. I mean, he always had tried to kind of work. He'd work with Butch to get more upright. I mean, I mean, I know it's more upright. I'm just saying like, it doesn't look as much of an overhaul. He still kind of has that whip in the back. He has. Yeah. That's his move. But yeah. yeah. If you look about, he's over the right shoulder. Now he used to be way back, you don't have to come then really sling it in. I mean, this is a guy who's won five times, but really try to then, especially in the power generation, really try to draw, have to draw it and sling it to get distance. And now he's at a, such a good spot over the more over the right shoulder. He looks like he can work the ball naturally both ways. And he doesn't, he just doesn't have to rely on timing nearly right. as much. Right. Um, um, so that's I mean, making a backswing change. I know it's so hard. It's so hard. And to see him have to go up and down with it just shows these guys are human. Right. Um, so well, isn't it funny? This is a, he's been playing better the last year and a half. So hopefully this is, you know, just he's back in the thick of it. He can do it. He just, yeah. Got a high round. Isn't it crazy five. how the different of a feel an event has when nobody expects you to be up there. Cause you've been struggling. You make a record on Thursday, shoot a 62 and the rest of the tournament can feel like you're hanging on. Yeah. Right. The rest of the tournament is yours to win. Now, what did he say going into Sunday? I made a video about this. Pull it up. Here's a quote from Ricky Fowler that he said last night going into Sunday that I think a lot of us can learn from. I'm not scared to fail. I've dealt with that. We're going to try and go out and have some fun. Continue to try to execute. Leave it all out there and see where we stand on 18. Focusing on execution and letting the chips fall as they may is the mindset of every champion. Can Ricky do it? I mean, it's great, isn't it? Don't you love like <laughs> I'm, what, uh, I'm not going to focus on failing because I've already done it. <laughs> it's it's great. Right? It's kind of yeah. kind of freeing, isn't it? It's like the majority of the time you're going to fail. So yeah, that's but, really cool. And then the ex- I love the execution. But that's what every great says, right? Don't you hear every premier athlete say, I'm just going to do X, Y, and Z, and we'll see what happens. I'm gonna that is my, I'm what gonna everybody prepare, does now. I'm gonna do my routine, and I'm going to try and commit to golf shots. And see now, what guess what? Easy to say, hard to stick to in the moment because the reality of the situation is your body feels differently on Sunday in the last group with a chance to win your first major after all of this. You're right? dealing with a little more. You've got a little, it's, it's more to control. And he the shoots three over. Five. Or sorry, two over on the front. Yeah. Um, he birdie, he bogeyed two, he bogeyed five, he bogeyed seven, birdied eight, pard nine, then bogeys eleven and twelve, fifteen and eighteen. Only two birdies on the day. Um, I think a lot of us can relate. No one can really relate, no one can relate to having the chance to win a major going into Sunday, but all of us can relate to playing a golf hole after doing something really well, right? A wedge after a perfect drive going into the back nine of a really great front, the round after your best score, having a great front nine. Right. And then everybody's experienced that. And I think hopefully Ricky will, um, this is the first time he's been in the situation in a little while. And it's probably going to be a great learning experience of, you know, 
What did Brett McCabe tell us all the time? Sports psychologist for John Rahm and many others. He says, you can't deny what you're in. You can't tell a soldier that they are in North Carolina when they're in Iraq. Right. So you kind of have to accept that, yeah, I'm nervous right now, or I'm a little excited right now, or I'm a little frustrated right now, but what do I know helps me play my best? What do I need to get back to? What do I need to do here? Right. And then you can kind of get yourself back into execution mode, which is what we talked about in that video and find a way to make it happen. I don't think that Ricky, I think Ricky had a great plan today. And I think yeah. he, you know, he's very docile out there. He's very methodical. He just didn't execute a few shots and the penalty is just too great. Yeah. You know, I mean, look, the, 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 the Rory shot at 70 today, Scheffler shot 70, you know, it was the last day of a U.S. open, you know, yeah. it's just crazy. to think he shot 62 and then 75. Um, yeah, he just, yeah, he was just a little off today. Um, yeah, it's a shame because you want to see a guy like that. And by the way, it's hard to do wire to wire no, up no. around the lead of four days. That's a totally different thing, right? Um, so what, what in your mind was a big takeaway from Ricky's play on Sunday? Than the first three days, anything yeah. that you noticed? Um, you know, I, I don't know. He just, uh, he's, he's just, I don't know. I, he, he wasn't wild off the tee. You know, yeah. he was just a little bit of a pull here, a little bit of a push, you know, a couple of putts that just didn't go in. You know, if you looked at him compared to Clark, Clark just looked kind of, kind of like he was rolling with the punches a little bit more. And Ricky was just not, not tentative, just, I was going to say tentative. I, I don't know if he was tentative. Just um, I'll tell you this, though. He didn't he, seem like he was trying to get it. But why do you want to try to? You know, but that's always a balance, right? Right. Like, because the U.S. Open, you kind of have to let it come to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's more of like an energy. Look, I, I know mean, we're grasping at straws a little bit here because we're looking through a TV tube. But you can kind of tell through body language of guys that are like kind of embracing the moment. I mean, it seemed like all day. Clark was just getting up and down from everywhere, and right. Ricky wasn't. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, he just, it, something was in his head about whether he was, you know, I'm playing a game, I'm gonna, I'm the best chipper and pitcher in the world, and he was today, and, and Ricky wasn't. Yeah. He was getting up and down. I mean, we when we saw it with Clark, it was all day. You know, that's what you do in a U.S. Open. That's normal. So, right. It, and he's but got doesn't a little, it more, kind a little of more prove, animated compared to Ricky, but that's just their styles. Doesn't it kind of prove, though, that winning is the non-sexy stuff? Like, yeah, we all well, remember US Open, the US three Open wood. Especially. Yeah. Like, we're going to remember the three wood oh, uh, from Wyndham Clark. But um, what really won it for him was the up and downs, the lag putting under pressure. We'll get to that in a second. But to tie a bow into Ricky... Um, it did kind of feel like he was hanging on a little bit, you know, but to be fair, he hadn't been in that situation in a very long time. Yeah, and he really had some self-doubt today, you yeah. know, and just like, man, it's also hard to keep like going back for three this. days. Yeah. Right. And I mean, he, he gradually went down, right. I, I believe he shot 62, 68, even par 70. Yeah. And then a, what was it today? 75. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully this is a launching, launching point for him, but yeah, sometimes the foreign, the foreign waters after a while, it kind of felt very similar it. actually to Justin Rose at the masters when he was nowhere to be found. He had been struggling. He shot like a 64 or something on Thursday and every day felt the same way. Yeah. A little bit like, Whoa, I didn't expect to be here. Now yeah, I'm good. in the lead. Let me try and like not mess this up, you know? Yeah. And, you know, who knows if Rory or Ricky actually felt that way, but I think it's a great reminder for all of us that when you find yourself in the protect mode, you got to find a way to go back on offense somehow. And we talked about that in a, I think it was maybe a chipping away where in my match, in my personal Ryder Cup, I had to find some way to be aggressive with something. And I don't care what that is for you, whoever's listening. 
that could be an aggressive feel in your swing. That could be an aggressive self-talk. That could be an aggressive belief. That could be whatever. It should be finding a target to be aggressive to. Yeah, exactly. So I think that's a good takeaway for all of us is be aware of tentativeness. And a lot of times that's a key to us making an errant swing, picking a lazy line. Yeah. Right. And other times you just have to mark it up to a bad bounce. Unlucky. And I I don't think this isn't, this is hard. This isn't studied enough. When we watch these guys, like you really have to get into the data and actually stop the coverage and know Ricky Fowler's game. How many times is he in between clubs today? We don't know. Yeah. You know, could have tough putts, all very defensive downhill sliders, you know, and this is just golf. Right. And sometimes we, so you, you, so the decision making just becomes more difficult, right? And you know when you get a lot of if you get more in between yardages or just different wins or different things you haven't seen. So it wasn't his day, but great to see Ricky back. I'm hoping he uh, takes this as a launching point, launching bed. Yeah. Well, they say if you can't handle the heat, get out of the kitchen. When it's <laughs> hot out there, you definitely need protection. That's okay. True, and our friends at Oars and Alps. Uh, are our favorite sunscreens. They're actually rated the top sunscreen by um, Men's Health in 2021. And I don't know if you heard this, sir, but I just did some research and I saw that Adam Scott, Andy North, Charlie Hoffman, Justin Thomas, Rory Sabatini, uh, Stuart Sink, all of these guys have all had surgery. Steve Stricker for skin cancer. It's really no surprise being the sport that you're outside the most right and the crazy yeah. thing sir is like i used to think oh well yeah of course they're always outside right that's their job so of course they're at risk but like we play a lot of golf too and yeah. i haven't i've been re- recently starting to think about it and you live in and a more. climate you live in a climate with a lot of sun right and i used yeah. to you know if it was a little overcast i wouldn't put it on and you know the sun it's actually worse through the clouds and all these things and i also saw a stat that said if um, UV rays are reflected 2x through water and sand, which is all over our golf course. So, um, yeah. So I'm thinking all, more all, and more about sunscreen in a way that I've never thought about before, especially on the tops of my hands, the backs of my neck, um, the tops of my thighs, uh, elbows, and behind my elbows, yeah. some places that I don't normally. So, if you guys are listening to this and you're like, shit, I don't really, I'm not that religious about sunscreen either. And by the way, skin cancer, that's like shit my parents used to say when you're a kid. You're like, yeah, okay, mom. That's the type of stuff you don't think about until it's there, okay? But what I, t- what I will tell you that I now think about because it's here is age spots, freckles, wrinkles. Like we're 35 years old. I'm starting to see it the more and more I'm out in the sun. And so now I'm being a little bit more proactive. I've got like the moisturizing cream from Ors and Alps. I've got face pads. I'm starting yeah. to like invest a little bit in my face when like our, your fiance, my wife, they've probably been investing in skincare, you well, know, the, for decades. And to, take it, and to take it to the next level with Ors and Alps, if you're going to invest in yourself, invest in your face, you know, use non-chemical organic, right. really a good product. This is the best ingredients that are good for you. We know about the copper tones, the banana boats, it's just so much yeah, There's bad stuff in there. So yeah, benzene is- has been in that. Got recalled for being a cancer causing. Alps is a total linked game. agent. So go to orsonalps.com, enter the code SPF train, and get yourself fifteen percent off. We want to see that sunscreen and all the other products they've got: body wash, deodorant, whatever you need. They've got it for men. Load up and let's show Ors and Alps that the train community is hopping aboard that SPF safety train. Okay. So SPF train 15% off oars and Thank you to oars and Alps as always. And thank you guys for listening because we want to help you stay well and stay good. You don't have to be worrying about a sunburn when you got to be worried about your target. All right. Try, yeah. Trying to make butts. Yeah. All right. right you want to talk about Rory and Scotty yeah, and do, then we'll, we, we'll spend the majority of the time talking about Wyndham after that. Yeah. Well, Rory, huh? Second place have. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's rooting for him. Unless you're a live diehard, I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> we we were kind of touching on it. He just seemed like he was in a great place all week. Played great. You know what I thought about today after he finished? I was like, man, he just needs a good break. You know, or like a good bounce or just a putt to go in. He he couldn't make anything really today. Not for bad putts. He just didn't. Nothing could drop. And so many 
good putts and just, you know, he got that good break on 17 and the other fairway, but it was such right. a bit, it was way offline. So he was coming in, you know, still there's nowhere to land it. 180 yards. Um, Tucked pin, right? Boy, it's, 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 isn't it something how like you just, you, you hurt for him. And this yeah. is the greatest golfer of our generation, you know, outside for, of Tiger. Uh, no, yeah, but he's kind of really the previous generation. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Back up on at least. So Tiger, Phil, up, one right? generation. Rory, oh. second generation. Yeah, and um, probably the most natural. He's just phenom, so great. He's right? amazing. I um, I just yeah, I really wish he could have won today. I, I, but it was, but I tell you what, Ev. I mean, if I'm Rory McIlroy, you know, I was right there. I got second. This one feels a little more real because what we've seen in prior years and majors that he's had high finishes is he gets off to poor starts. Right. 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 That's what we were texting about. This is the first time he had a great start, which is a great point because if he can do that, he's in it. Well, we've, we've watched him. We've seen him win the US Open by eight shots. Right. Right. Um, So something there, something there. My big takeaway for Rory, actually very kind of surprising. But did you know he only hit like four? I don't know the exact stat, but I think in the telecast they said about four or five drivers around. And you could tell when he was in really tough spots. It looked like he hit a lot more today. We'd have to check that. But I'm pretty it sure throughout like the tournament, the, he hit less drivers than he normally does. And he actually said in the interview, "Yeah, um, I've been hitting less drivers this week. And that's just because of the course called for that sets up for the, yeah. um it's not like he was laying back because his driver was bad i mean he was averaging at 380 off the first tee yeah. it's insane and most Which tour is, players don't take ever take the driver out of the bag right yeah. right but what i thought was interesting, interesting about that yeah. is i thought because i've always thought rory just like keep your foot on the pedal you know like fire at everything obviously not like pins that he doesn't need to but like be aggressive hit these high draws and play your game, right? But what I think this tournament showed is you saw him. I can't remember a lot of tournaments where he'd have a little bit of a poor lie or a bad angle, and he'd hit it to the fattest part left of the green because that was the highest percentage play, and he gave himself a look, or he gave himself at an up and down, and he didn't hit as many drivers, and he's hitting the fattest part of the fairways with aggressive swings, and... It didn't seem like he was pressing at all. It actually felt for the first time in a while that he was letting everything come to him, letting the course come to him. When he had an opportunity, he took it and he looked great all week. To me, the fast start and the ability to play what the course gives you could be a great formula. You know, I'm sure he does that a lot, but this week it seemed like he did that even more and look what happened. He almost won. You know what's interesting about this course setup too, because there were birdies to be made out there, but it's still at any moment you could be screwed, right? Yeah, Bunkers very fine rest. lines. And so that makes it really challenging, right? Because it's like mm, I'm in a go zone here, but that pin's there. It's the U.S. Open, right? So you're, you're right. It's a real battle with trying to be quote unquote aggressive or flag hunting versus playing the high percentage shot. But I mean, I think the tournament of Today was the 14th hole, right? Rory pulls it left off the tee, lays up to a good spot, and then leaves it short, you know, um, getting really cute with his third shot. He ends up being able to take a take a free drop, but and then Wyndham gets up there and hits it in two. Can I ask you, know? you a silly question? And this yeah. is gonna sound kind of ridiculous to ask this of Rory McElroy, but then again, Tiger had one. Like Tiger had his bullet, the fairway finder. Rory, yeah, kind of that low cut um, that he knows he can find the fairway with. Mm-hmm. And Rory, when he misses... We've seen, J- we've seen JT use that shot, too. Yeah, but like Rory plays, you know, either as he either overdraws it or he overfades it. But it's pretty much always that towering. And how could you not want to hit that all the time? I mean, it's beauty. It's art, right? But that's just one thing. I've always kind of felt that with Rory's wedges. Like, 
I, I wish he always kind of had like a little bit more of a controlled flighted wedge, but off the tee, I just wonder if some of today in spots he got in. Now, on the other hand, sir, you could argue, go after it. Don't try and just try and be accurate and take these things off of it. His distance was also his biggest weapon. So you could also argue against that too. I'm just kind of playing devil's advocate here. Do we think that's one thing that's missing from you know, his game as a yeah, fairway finder. We always have to figure out what's going to make you most comfortable and aggressive. And a lot of people would swing it harder. I think that actually is for Rory, but like, I love that shit. But to, you know, to your question, you don't see Rory never hit like a hard slider cut out there yeah. with a driver that I'm going to take 20 yards off here just to put like you saw Wyndham do on the last hole. He just hit a high, like a medium. Well, that was like a slider. slice. But he's like, that's my shot. It's a wide fairway. Use it. I just need to put this in the fairway. You know, I'm going to sacrifice 17, 18 yards. He had, I think, 18 yards longer than Rory. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, Rory is definitely, a, he's definitely more of a one-speed guy. Um, Which maybe, again, you got to know who you are and you got to play to it. Because he might say, you know, I try to hit that shot and I'm just, I feel really tentative. Yeah. True. Um, we don't know that. Yeah. I mean, he's so close. He's just not, you know, but I, you know, was this a mental breakthrough for Rory? It kind of felt that way from the sense of letting the course come to him and the fast start. I think that's got to be really encouraging. And I don't think, I mean, he shot two under today. No, even. Oh, did he shoot even? Yeah. Par You're right. He shot even par. So, but which is, which is a good bound on the yeah. last day of the US Open. Yeah, true. You can't really say that he lost it at all. He just, you know, it's had just, a few you, spots. I think that's you hate to bogey a, a par five. Yeah, that's really it. Um, you just when you're when you're the longest and that the wedge in the field. Yeah, that wedge of was that the par five that he yeah. hit it short. Because that was the third the shot. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, to me, the main the takeaway for what we can take from Rory is a lot of times there is real benefit. And it might be really hard to do, especially for someone that like Rory McIlroy, who can hit every shot and send it a mile long. But patience and letting that course come to you, it literally it should feel like a chess game, right? Like, all right, like you always told me, what does the lie give me? Where's the pin? Where's my where's my my feel and my misses today? What's the wind? Where can I put it? Where can I aim so that I can swing as aggressively as possible and give myself the widest margin for error? And it really felt like he did that yeah, all week. It felt like he really was patient, but he still had his foot on the gas swing-wise. Oh, yeah. yeah, And, and, and he, he really, looked very free. And he putted great. Maybe he missed one or two today, but he putted amazing, especially yeah. inside six feet. He, wasn't, he didn't miss. Yep. But that's a U.S. Open major in one swing, that wedge shot. He makes right. six on a par five. Right. You just if we're we're fine, we're picking and we're picking and shooting with Roy McElroy. And like you're Rory. Par five you're supposed to eat up, doesn't matter where you are. Right. He didn't well, do before it. before we get to Wyndham, I've got big news. So to celebrate us getting our Instagram back, by the way, it really felt like it's a nice feeling. I was like, Am I gonna have to like start this account over? Right. Like took us seven years to build this thing with an amazing community of 80,000 people. And the messages we got back and forth every day just really made my day. It got made me excited to get up and, and come up with new ways to talk about this stuff in a way well, that could help us all play better and enjoy ourselves more. A lot of people right? reaching out on our personal Instagrams. Pretty cool. Yeah. And emails and people asking, can we sign a petition? What can we do? This is ridiculous. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts for doing that. Yeah. Um, and we're so happy that we're back. So I really want to take a second and say, we want to celebrate the community being back together and we're going to do our biggest giveaway we've ever done. Okay. Rory plays tailor-made golf balls. Now, so can you. Okay. We have tailor-made my symbol golf balls, which is no other brand has ever done. The only people that they've done this for are their tour pros. Yeah. And what is a tailor-made my symbol golf ball? That means that underneath the tailor-made logo, there is the Partrain logo. So it's image 
image. It looks sweet, by the way. I it's played a couple sharp. rounds with it, and it's awesome because you always know it's your ball. And then we got our little Enjoy the Ride logo on, on the right and the regular TP5 alignment lines on the left. And I love lining my putts up with Enjoy the Ride. I love putting it, lining up my drives. It's the last thing I see before I do almost every shot other than approach if shots because I can't If you're putting for a birdie and feeling the pressure or if you're putting for a double and feeling dejected, looking down and enjoy the ride, kind of helps, doesn't it, Ed? Yeah. So here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to figure out a way. I'm going to announce this soon on our Instagram of I'm going to give away at least 30 dozen golf balls, maybe more. Um, nice all you got to do is pay shipping. But all we're going to ask is we want to make sure that our, our back and forth doesn't get halted ever again. It was really painful. People were wondering where we went. People were like, did you block me? I don't know what happened, right? And yeah. people have questions. People have stories. And you should never wonder where we went. So all we're going to ask you to do is to sign up for our email list so that we always have a direct line of communication. That's at thepartrain.com. And subscribe to our YouTube channel so you never miss out on anything that we're doing video-wise. And then... That'll basically, that's it. All free. That's all you got to do to get eligible for a free dozen golf balls. So more info to come on this. We're super excited. These are the coolest things we've ever done for, for real. Not even close. They're sick. Um, you just got your dozen in the mail. They're Love incredible. Them. So all we ask as of right now, more details to come on our Instagram at the partrain, but go and sign up for our email list at thepartrain.com. Scroll down, you'll see it. And uh, hop aboard our YouTube channel at the Partrain. More info to come on this, but we're really excited to share. These My Symbol balls are so cool. It's as unique of a ball as you can get, and it actually can help you play better. That's what's cool about it. How great is that? Only downside is I hate losing them. Yeah, don't lose them. I, I've lost a couple, sermon. Oh. It's a terrible feeling. Just but stop doing that. just to let you guys know, <laughs> this is some amazing stuff is coming. All right. Thanks, TaylorMade. So... Let's talk about Wyndham Clark, okay? Yeah. The guy almost quit the game when he was 19, lost his mom, breast cancer. Yep. Was playing terrible. Thought, why am I doing this? And I love what his mom said to him in college when she was sick and still living. She said, play big. And that's kind of like been his... For something bigger than yourself. Play for your, something bigger than yourself, whether that is inspiring else, someone else, inspiring others. And you might be thinking, well, how am I going to, I'm an eight handicap. How am I going to inspire someone? One shot could inspire someone. Find right? your purpose w w within this game, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like whatever you want to work on, the game can be a catalyst for that. So if it's maybe taking things a little less seriously, maybe being a little less judgmental towards yourself, maybe a little more patient, maybe having a little bit more trust that things will unfold as there's maybe supposed to. Yeah. Whatever you're maybe working on, golf can be a catalyst for that to be done. And I think Wyndham Clark is a great example that you just kind of have to keep going. You have to believe in yourself. You start working with a, a mental coach and look what happened. I think he's another great example, like the purpose of our show, Serm, that it's not necessarily finding a little fix in our swing that's going to change everything. Like we all hope that it will. It's something in our heads that can have a little bit more belief or take things a little less seriously that can let our true abilities come out. I think Wyndham's a great example of that. Yeah. I mean, I think before we get into today, we definitely want to dig in a little bit more about his journey because, you know, he had that really bad time at Oklahoma state, wanted to quit. He transfers to Oregon, you know, he lost his mom and he really ended up having a great career at Oregon. He was Pac-12 champ, I believe. And, uh, you know, great. And then turns pro 2020 finished second at the Bermuda. Then 2021, he misses 24 cuts and is not in the top 200 in the world. And he talked about too, that was another extremely low point about quitting the game. Right. Fast forward to 2023. He's number 12 in the in the world and top 10 in FedEx points coming into this week. And he got his first one at the Wells Fargo, right? Now he's a U.S. Open champ. He's, his name is etched in history. So it's kind of like life. And then as it relates to golf too, or these players, like he hit rock bottom. Then he's the Pac-12 champ. 
right? He hits rock rock bottom on the tour, and now he's the U.S. Open champ. Yeah, it's just how it goes. Yeah, most of the time for a lot it makes for, me feel for, good, honestly. For, it, it right, and Ricky Fowler hit his rock bottom. Right, <laughs> five time right. champ, the Players Champ. So incredible. I mean, you know, his the Wells Fargo win was huge, and like, but yeah, he flew under the radar. But for a number twelve in the world, he was flying under the radar. But but what a story for such a young guy, like. I mean, we love, we love this stuff. We don't like to see people struggle, but we just all do. And then what do we do about it? What can we share about it? What are the learnings from it? Like, you know, have, we've talked a lot about struggles on this show. And I think to see the U.S. Open champ questioning his golf game and his career after 24 cuts missed just two years ago. Right. It's an unbelievable turnaround. Yeah. So I thought that that – his performance this weekend today makes it all the more special, especially as we try to talk about how to figure out this really difficult game and, you know, and connecting it back to life and, and thinking the right things and personal growth. I mean, that's the stuff we love, Ev, right? Yeah. I mean, round one, he shot a 64, pretty good. Round two, 67, three under. Round three, 69, today, even par. With a I think what one shot lead on the 18th hole. That's what you dream of, you know? <laughs> you know what I think is really interesting about Wyndham Clark that I really take to heart, that I'm really going to take into my game, and I hope someone connects with this, is I think it's really natural for anyone who's struggled a lot, struggled deeply, and we've all struggled deeply in something, True. right? It's really easy for your anti-you voice, your ego, whatever you want to call it, that when you make a bogey, or a double, or you're staring down an important tee shot and you hit the slice that you hate or that low left that you really hate, the one shot you're trying to avoid, it's really easy for that voice to say, see? Well, to to, to let it define you. You can't, yes. It is a defining feeling when that negative voice in your head says, see, you still haven't figured it out. You're not any good. But what I think the U.S. Open and Wyndham Clark taught us is, do you know how many moments like that he had? He I, hit it into a bush. Right. He he was in some really tough spots today. Couldn't even see the ball. I mean, he 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 did it. Pulled a Rory from Brown. He whiffed one, basically, right? He made right. contact in the ball. Didn't go anywhere. Do you know how easy it would have been in that moment to say, oh, boy. This is when... This Here we go. Else, the sirens go off and you don't start thinking. And then when yeah, are you going to ruin to it? Hit that again? I was like, uh oh. I thought he was going to take a drop. Maybe just take the unplayable. Like, yeah. But he did collect him th- his thoughts, and I think he just realized I can do this shot. I just just free it up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's actually what I've learned. These guys are so good at is they don't define themselves with the miss. Correct. Or if they do, which by the way would be totally human to, yeah, I mean, they yeah. pass it aside as a passing thought and they refocus. So they redefine themselves with their choice of words, right? right? And so to make a bogey in that moment showed that he just got really focused on what he was trying to do. And look, how many times did he come down the he came down the stretch? I think I saw a stat by um, Justin Ray. He's basically one of the biggest stat guys in golf, right? Yeah. He said, I believe, first time all week, Wyndham Clark has missed three consecutive greens in regulation in the back nine. Okay. Yeah. Easy to be like, whoa, what, what are you doing? You're choking, right? On the back nine, he bogeys 11 and 12. Birdies 13. Yep. Another thing tour pros do. Right. You heard John Sherman. It's very rare Just to see come right a really back. good player hit back to back poor shots, which I'm sure we do all the time. And then 17 going into the final hole, he makes a bogey. Or sorry, this was part, this was round three. Round four, sorry, he bogeyed 15, 16, and then part out. Sorry, yeah. I was looking at round three. But I mean, 15, 16 going into two of the hardest holes on the course to win a US Open, your first major. I mean, this is human stuff, right? It would have been easy for him to freak out. But I think this is what we hear all the sports psychologists these, tell us. These guys don't. You, But you have to keep telling yourself to fight. I think that's the thing. You have to tell yourself that you can do it. 
you hear these guys that are the best players in the world keep telling themselves, you can do this. You can do this. Yeah. Right? Like, I think that's so eye-opening. You hear it in the telecast and you're like, oh, yeah. That, right. that just and, seems cliche. But think about what they're saying, though. This is right. the one of the best players in the world that isn't believing that they can do it. Right. And poor shots are part of the game. Now, the tougher part of the U.S. Open coming down the stretch is like, you're just missing iron and you can't, you can barely find your ball, right? You got to go right. into the gunch. It's up and down on six, on nine, you know, on 17, on 11. Like, I'm just going through all these holes and it's pretty incredible. You know, I think, you know, he pulled that iron shot on 17, which was a bad swing, you know, oh, like, yeah, you start getting the poles when you hit a cut. But, That's got to be tough. But look, it's a it's the seventeenth hole of the year, so when I got a one shot lead, the flag's on the left side of the green. It's just not my that's not my shot. Yeah. <laughs> He's a cutter and he just tugs it, right? And but what does he do? It was not a bad worst places to miss it. He was in the you know, still had a good line, up and down, managing yeah. the miss. It's gonna happen under the gun. He's probably just like he's probably nervous. <laughs> and, and I don't and I don't have the shot that really fits my eye. Right. Um and then he just, what do we talk about with John Sherman? Minimizing mistakes. Mm -hmm. And he did that all day because he was, you know, he, you're going to be in some tough spots at the US Open. And he had the wherewithal. He almost looked like he was just, had this like next gear around the greens. Like he was just like, I'm getting up and down. He almost chipped in, pitched in all these shots too, mm -hmm. which was amazing. Right. You know, I, I don't um, think you really gave the round of here's a hot take. I don't think you gave your round of golf as much as you could have if you're not entirely exhausted after. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, look, at he just balled his eyes out. Right. Because, like, it's think about how minute. much energy that takes oh. with the world on your shoulders, thinking about your mom. Um, Never just won one. You're going up against Rory, Ricky, Scotty Scheffler. Right, it, you know how easy it would be for him to say, "I don't belong here." He had to reinforce that he did. Now, this is a, a tweet that I did right after he won. I said, "Wyndham also reminded us that championship golf isn't always about the sexy stuff. Impeccable touch around the greens, lag putting under pressure. Which, by the way, let I think that one of the best ways he saved his energy throughout the round was having tap in pars. Yeah." He lagged it beautifully in some pressure right. moments. So it's not always sexy, but it's still special stuff. Well, so yeah. that's the thing. Maybe we need to remind ourselves, Serm, is like they're missing it all over the map, too. They're getting it stuck in bushes. They're, the difference is, is they aren't judging themselves, or if they do, they refocus quickly, and they fight to get it back. They yeah. fight to limit the damage. I know we're going to do a chipping away of, about some of our rounds recently, but just to connect to that, I played a course on Friday and a great round, but there's gunch on every hole. And mm -hmm. I went into it twice. And I could have got really mad about that on that one hole and the next hole because it's like you're open to go find your ball, but it's like this is just going to happen. Right. So it's kidding to your point. Like you just need to accept that you're not, you're just the, the ball's gonna end up in some funky spots. You know, it's yeah. just how you respond from that. And I, my attitude was just like. Well, yeah. I mean, every tee shot, you're looking at gunch on your right, gunch on your left. You have to be perfect not to go in it a couple times. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. And then I actually recovered really well because, you know, I wasn't so down on the pool, the hard pull I hit off the tee or the block I hit. It was just like, it's just hard. It's hard to focus all day. And my buddy Chris, I was playing with, he's playing in a tournament Monday. He's like, he's a good, good player. He's three handicap. He goes, because the one thing I'm concerned about is just, can I, can I focus the entire round? And I was like, yeah, it's hard in tournament play. It's hard in normal play. Yeah. But that proves. <laughs> and when Park today, like you said, he's, he's going against some of the biggest stars in the world. It's third tournament to win, not his, but he was just, and he was kind of in some tough spots, but he didn't care. He did yeah. not care. Yeah. I think it's really eye-opening. I think Wyndham showed a level of fight that most average players don't have. We give up. We try and be a hero after a bad shot. We take it personally. 
We define ourselves by it. That's all the opposite of what they do, right? Correct. And I struggle with this still to this day. Like this isn't a, you fixed it. There's a cure. I'm now on the other side. It's an every whole battle. I think that's one of the things I love about the game is it doesn't matter whether you're playing. We get messages all the time, sir, emails. It's like, I'm playing for nothing. It's still, it's a, a casual round and I still struggle to get out of my own way. And yeah. so I just want to give people the comfort that you don't have to have it figured out. You just have to fight to do the right things. Yeah. Another thing too, I thought was cool about his story. He doesn't have a swing coach, Wyndham Clark. Right. He His caddy is an ex-tour player. He helps him when he needs help. So this is a guy, right, that misses 24 cuts in 2021. He didn't go try to re-overhaul his swing. Right. <laughs> he actually got even simpler. Yeah. And focused on the fundamentals, getting his mind right, you know, his routines, I'm sure. But that's – I'm not telling listeners, you guys, listen, don't have a swing coach. But it isn't – Having a swing coach is helpful, but that that's not going to be the sole reason you shoot low scores because right. you're, you know, because you need to get in these positions. Right. And I think, so yeah. I think that I thought, I thought it was, I mean, that's really cool. Right. PJ tour players, they got eight coaches. Right. He just tells He just asks his caddy probably to look at his setup or look at his grip or look at my alignment and keep my mind, help me keep my mind right. And his caddy told him to be an athlete, which you love on the chip, you know? So, yeah, I think today, I think this is great. I think the big takeaway for me is that there's two things, two big takeaways for me, sir. One, a great round or a major championship win versus a second place versus a fifth, very small margin. I think that same margin exists with our rounds. A really good round can be very similar to a mediocre round. Yeah. And I think it just depends on, did you, did you focus on the right stuff? Did you keep fighting? Did you keep your head in it? Did you believe that you could? And did you not take this, the judgmental doubting thoughts as truth? And two, I think, I think it just goes back to the fight. I, I keep coming back to this idea that they, they don't let up. They don't Correct. submit. They don't believe the negative stuff. They keep going. Bad, bad shots are part of the game. Yeah. And trust me, do you know how how frustrating it is to stripe every driver on the range and go to the first tee and top the ball? Do you know how frustrating that is? Sure. I've lived it. And yeah. I've done it in some of the greatest golf courses in the world that I'm lucky enough to be at. And I've been there. So anyone that's listening to this, the frustration can be there, all right? And if there's a lot of bad memories of that playing over and over, I get it. It's tough, but the best players move on. And there's what a reason why they're that good. What, did, what was the quote about failure with Ricky? Ricky, I don't, I don't need to think worry about failure because I've already done that. Yeah, I already dealt with that. Yeah, so let that go and focus on the stuff that matters, which is this next shot where you're trying to land it and try and fight and be aggressive to something. And it maybe takes, you'll play it's, like it's Wyndham work. Clark. Game's tough, but it sure is not fun, easy. Right, yeah. I think we all try and chase that dragon of that perfect round because maybe we tasted it once, but think about how often that happens. The vast majority of it, it's a fight and well, it's so just it, about, can you stay in the fight a little a bit lot longer? Of, it's a lot of moments that you got to, you know, try to deal with and, and, and hopefully master. Right. Yeah. All right. Now let's get this episode to our, our friend, Brett, our editor, who's staying up late on the East, East coast, coast to do it. this for you guys uh, tonight. So thank you as always for hopping aboard. If you found this episode helpful and you feel like you're going out there playing like Wyndham Clark, the next time you play, do us a solid, give us an Apple podcast review, Spotify review, follow us at the par train. Now, Instagram, we're back, back. Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, subscribe to all the things and our email list at thepartrain.com so that you don't miss out on this direct line of communication. And that'll get you eligible for our tailor-made my symbol giveaway very soon. 
But thank you guys as always for hopping aboard. It really yeah. means a lot. Hopefully the U.S. Open can be a reminder for all of us to keep fighting and play big ourselves. And no matter if they do top that first drive or they hit that slice they hate or a low left or they keep three putting, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care. Hey, guys, this is Evan. Real quick before you hop off the train, I got something for you. It's called The Train of Thought. It's our new email newsletter. Would you like to get one nugget, insight, or thought that we're pondering every week that could help keep you sharp and help your mental game? Go to thepartrain.com and subscribe to the Train of Thought newsletter today. It's really the best way to enjoy the ride. See you guys.